Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was her former boss who inspired Whitney Bromberg Hawkins to take the leap and launch Flowerbox in 2016 after years of strict instructions to only send out bunches of single stem flowers to clients. That former boss was Tom Ford, no less, where Whitney worked as the designer's assistant and then worked her way up to become senior VP of communications at his eponymous label. It was a leap that has paid off and the online flower delivery service has clients that include Jimmy Choo, Christian Dior and of course Mr Tom Ford himself. With a booming business, the fashion industry on speed dial and investors that include Net-A-Porter founder Natalie Massonet, we are thrilled to be talking to the woman who has made flowers sexy. Welcome to the Sherlock Success Stories. In each fortnightly episode, we delve into the stories behind some of the most successful entrepreneurs and careers we've seen. A very warm welcome, Whitney, to your Sherlock's success story. I am so thrilled to be here, um, and I'm such a fan of Sherlock's. That's so lovely to hear. Um, and as much as I'd like to talk about that for the next hour, <laughs> um, let's talk first about your first job. Uh, because your first job was working for Tom Ford as his assistant. I read that you dreamt of a career editing... French Vogue. Why was being an assistant the smart move? Well, I studied uh, French literature at Columbia University in New York, and with my graduation money, which I thought was a fortune at the time, I was going to move to Paris and start working for French Vogue. There was That was my plan A, and there was no plan B. Um, unfortunately, French Vogue wasn't hiring, uh, so that was the one caveat to my future career um, at, at a fashion magazine. So I um, pounded the pavements for three or four months. My finances were dwindling, let's say. Um, I had gone to every fashion house and tried to get a job, but no one could sponsor me because I didn't have papers. So, you know, Ralph had like almost hired me, but then once we got to the fact that I didn't have papers, they uh, turned me away. So I was about to go back to America with my tail between my legs and basically accept that that wasn't going to be my future. When a friend of a friend whom I had interned with at a magazine a couple of years before at a French magazine called L'Officiel said, wait, uh, Tom Ford's looking for an assistant. I mean, this was better than French Vogue. At that point, I had the white dress collection, the ads for the white dress collection framed on my dorm room walls. I'm not even kidding. I had those velvet hip huggers that, you know, Madonna had worn and then Gwyneth had worn. I had those framed on my walls. I had every bad imitation of those. So, I mean, going to meet with Tom was the dream job. Um, And how did you get the job? What did you do in that interview that got you the job? Well, I think the fact that I'm Texan, he's also Texan. Um, I spoke fluent French. Um, I had studied French literature. I think probably compared to the other people he had interviewed, I was overqualified for the job. Um, And I was (laughs) very, very eager and keen to work for him. So I started the next day. Did you? Yeah. No time like the present. And did you feel taking that role as an assistant? I think probably a lot of people go out looking for a job, their first job, they're not looking to be an assistant. But actually, if you work for an entrepreneur or someone doing something exciting, it, it can be a really smart move. Was it a calculated thing? Oh, absolutely. I did not study, you know, at Columbia University to go and be the PA to a celebrity. That was like never, ever, you know, ever a career choice that I was going to make. But I think it is real testament to the fact that if you work 
really, really hard, you know, whatever you're doing, that you can build a, a really meaningful career out of it. And it's something that I try to convey to my kids all the time. If you are a builder and you work, you know, your ass off and work harder than anyone else that you can build, you know, you can start a construction company. You can start a global construction company. You can. So I think that um, yeah, I so agree. it was never my intention to, to stay Tom Ford's PA for the rest of my life. Um, that said, he made it so fun and so compelling and so totally thrilling really all the time because it was you know it was I had an apartment in Paris an apartment in London an apartment in Milan I was traveling back and forth to all of them on a private jet it was as glamorous as it could possibly be so um and as it's thrilling and the people that I was meeting and the the um chances that you know the things I was exposed to were incredible so it wasn't just an average PA job either let's admit Uh, yeah of course how long did you stay his PA so it was like seven seven or eight years um but my sort of responsibilities increased obviously over that time so I was I, I had two assistants um I wasn't I was sort of uh more I think I evolved more into a right hand um, you weren't then, just getting I wasn't just getting lunch and like sending FedExes. Luckily, I <laughs> had um, a couple of assistants to do that. So I stayed as PA for probably seven years. Um, he was leaving Gucci then. It was sort of the big breakup. He was leaving Gucci. I was like, this is it. This is now the um, time for me to go. I can't be Tom Ford's PA forever. Um, it's time for me to go and, you know, figure out my next 10-year plan. I was turning 30. Um, and that's when he offered me, he said, please come with me. Um, I'm going to start up an eyewear company, a beauty brand. It, at that point, it wasn't women's wear yet, but he's like, I want to start a menswear brand and I want to put you in charge of the communications. So obviously, I couldn't say no. So you left. You went with him. Did that feel very startup-like? Oh, it was a total startup. Honestly, I went, I remember walking, we were on the King's Road walking and buying bins at Habitat because we had no bins. It was Tom and me sitting in an office, big open space office. Um, Yeah, that's how it all started. And a role in communications, it seems like that's something that would have come pretty naturally to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good communicator, yes. So tell us about your time there. How many years did you do that for? So for another 12 years. But again, it was a job that kept evolving because, you know, first it was, you know, I started small. It was doing eyewear. So I sort of got to know the editors, got to know the people involved. Then it was beauty. That was a whole different group of people. Then he decides to go and make a film. So then it was like doing film PR for his first film, A Single Man. So I was, you know, going to Venice, going to film festivals. And it was, it it stayed constantly thrilling. And I have to say, I woke up before my alarm clock every day for 19 years that I worked for him. And it was always a challenge every day um sort of became you know every day was a challenge every day had I was learning still um and what was it like working in the fashion industry you'd obviously dreamt of it was it what you thought it would be I mean it's honestly like the movies about the fashion industry you can't I mean I I can't say the devil wears Prada not in any way comparing Tom to the Anna Wintour character but you know the craziness about getting things made for a shoot about flying things across the ocean for you know or getting things made last minute the sort of ridiculous standards of beauty and fabulousness that we all like hold ourselves to the level of perfection all of that is true and working for tom oh it was a dream i mean as i said it was like tom the movie star tom the designer that we all know it was like going into that every morning um in the office you know he is that sexy he's that cool he's that fun i mean i don't think a lot of people know how hilariously funny he is but honestly it was like i was getting ready for a first date every day of my life and i'm not even kidding like my legs were never not shaved I never was I never was not moisturized I never knew when I'd have to take off my pair like a pair of shoes and try on sandals for fitting because he wanted to see how it looked on the foot so I was always first date ready every day of my life 
standard, standard, standard. I know. And then Tom was like the potential date. So like you could, you know. Hot date. Yeah. What a, what a date. I know. And so you were there and had you always wanted to do something on your own? Was it was it there in your mind that actually at some point you had this burning desire to be an entrepreneur yourself? No, I don't think so. And honestly, I could have stayed happily um, for the rest of my life working for Tom. I probably would have kept growing. I probably would have enjoyed every day. I could have done that till I was 60 or 70 years old. But funnily, you know, Tom's drummed into my head when I was sort of 20 and started working for him that like everyone needs to have a 10 year plan. You need to have a 10 year plan. Um, so, you know, my 10 year plan in my 20s, that was great. I was his PA, you know, the 10 year plan for my 30s was that's great. I'm like, I've moved up from PR to SVP of communications. That's great. And then, you know, I had a looming 40th birthday and I think I was pregnant with my third child. And I think um, it wasn't gelling in my mind that my 10 year plan was to be a professional PR for the rest of my life. Um, and I felt like I had challenged myself up until then, but I wasn't sure that that was going to be challenging enough or rewarding enough for me for the next 10 years. So I think the, you know, the new decade, the new baby, all of these things um, sort of converged at exactly the same time. And it was time for me to go and and take this leap. So you you decided it was time to take this leap. At that point, were you leaping into flower box? No, yeah, it was absolutely, no, 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 absolutely. So as a working mom, I was buying my clothes on Net-A-Porter, I was, or matches, I was buying my groceries on Ocado. I was buying everything else on Amazon. And when I wanted to buy flowers, because I was having a dinner party or I was having people over to the house, I would go to the Covent Garden flower market, fill my car up with flowers. Then I would have to find, I had ask my nanny to meet me halfway to pick up the flowers because I had to go to the office and all of this before nine o'clock when I had to be at the office looking like I was ready for a first date for Tom. So um, it wasn't working. And I was like, how? And also when I was sending flowers, I was always asking for single stem bunches. I was always, for my, even when I was sending and flowers. And was that a Tom thing? It was a Tom thing, but I also noticed that when he received flowers, because I was obviously the, the, you know, the person who received them, from Carl to Mucha to Calvin to everyone, they were sending single stem bunches of flowers. You know, whether it was 100 white roses or 40 white orchids or, you know, 100 ranunculas that everyone was sending or 100 peonies, it was always single stem bunches of flowers. I also just thought they looked so much more beautiful that mm-hmm. way. And also when I would receive flowers, I would always separate them and put you know group like flowers together and I found that that looked so much more elegant so I sort of putting two and two together I realized that no one has ever created a flower brand whereby um, you know what you're sending you know the consistency of the product is there if you go to Prada in LA you go to Prada in Shanghai you go to Prada in you know Monaco you're getting the same consistency of product you're getting the same ribbon you're getting the same tissue paper you're getting the same sales staff dressed in the same uniform probably with the same cologne on Uh, meanwhile when you're sending flowers for many florists, you don't know, you're crossing your fingers and hoping they look okay. But when you see them on Instagram or you see them, your friend or mom or whomever thanks you, they're usually pretty terrifying. So I you know, thought, how come no one has ever created a branded floral offering? Um, so they, putting they, all they, of them- They try. They just didn't have your taste, Whitney, to, to really uh, No, to but never it. on an international way. I mean, they're chic little London florists and they're beautiful French florists, but there's never been an international floral brand. It's amazing that it's taken until well, 2016 when you launched Flowerbox for this to be on the market because it seems... It seems like quite obvious. Yeah. But also funnily, so, you know, having this sort of light bulb moment where it was time for me to do it and I, and I realized that Flowerbox was what I wanted to do. Was Tom supportive? Oh, he's been hugely supportive. Um, and yes, he's been hugely supportive both in his stores, in his house, in his, um, you know, for his gifting and yes. And how did you fund the business? So um, we launched the company with a hundred thousand pounds of basically of our own money just to get a starter website. 
and you know by the van there was at that point it was one van and hire a packer um so that was enough it it was you a packer yeah, and a driver. And a driver. And so that was for the first sort of six or eight months. But there was already this incredible traction because, honestly, I sent a, a bunch to a handful of friends that are fabulous friends and editors. But I never, I never, ever have said, oh, will you please Instagram this? Will you please? But luckily, you know, Lucy Yeomans is a good friend. She Instagrammed it. Sarah Harris is a good friend. She Instagrammed it. Um, Graham Norton's a good friend. He tweeted it to, like, and, like, the day that Graham tweeted it, we had... 3,000 people on the site at one time. And this was like two weeks in. So luckily, you know, sending a bunch of flowers to a, a couple dozen, and it was out of my own pocket, friends, um, it immediately got this sort of great traction. Then Natalie Massonet, who was a customer um, already and, and a neighbor and a friend, said, you know, if you're ever looking to raise money, you should please come to me first. And at that point, I didn't... It, wow. It, was, yeah. was that not a moment where you just thought... Well, I didn't know if it was serious at that point. So it wasn't... I was like, sure, yeah, great. And I then mean, that, is the, to, that is the dream for, for everybody who, who wants to start a business. And God, what what an amazing compliment. And also well, it just... was, but I didn't know how genuine it was. So then it was sort of eight months in and we needed to hire... We sort of realized we needed real art direction because because we couldn't, we couldn't outsource it because it's so expensive and so time-consuming. So we needed sort of a creative director. We needed... Um, when you say art direction, creative director, to do what? Is this on your branding? Is this, this is to brand? just to up, update the homepage, to refer, to take beautiful images, to shoot. We needed to introduce vases. We, need we needed... There were so many things, so many way, like places I knew it could go. And I also knew that we needed somebody to help get us there. And I also wasn't into plotting along, which we could have done easily. So, so ultimately, you launched the website, you left your job, you worked day and night and weekends, you launched it, sort of minimum viable product, you put 100 grand of your own money in and sent out flowers to your amazing Black Book of Contacts and, and did it on a shoestring until you got to a point where you Then thought, we got to the point where I thought, this has traction, I, I know the concept is right, um, I'm quitting my job and putting 100% into this because I also, it was also, everyone's like, what are you doing? You need to go all the way with this. This is, so, and I and I knew it and I, I knew it in my gut. Um, and I think that's where intuition comes in so much is that I was like, I've got to take this all the way because it can plot along and it probably could have grown and I was going to hire a CEO at that point. And then I'm like, why can I hire someone that, why should I hire someone that isn't going to do it half as passionately or with half as much conviction as I have? Nor someone who has, I mean, I no one has the vision of the brand better than I do because mm-hmm. I, I, I live, eat and breathe it. Uh, so at that point, I went to Natalie and, and another friend who had um, expressed a desire to invest and I was like, are you serious? We are looking to raise money. And Natalie said, yes, not only that, I'd love to bring Mark Seba on board is that okay and I think we've all seen that video of Mark leaving Net-A-Porter I mean I had at any point he was like a hero yeah Um, it's an amazing video for people listening who don't know that video watch it (laughs) it's amazing so when Natalie came to meet with us with Mark Seba um, and they both expressed a desire to invest uh, Mark has since become our chairman and been invaluable to us but Carmen Bousquet who was also an early investor of Net-A-Porter came in on their as part of their consortium and um, it was so great having this their belief in us but also having um, that gave us a certain amount of credibility, I think, to, to other people looking to invest. Absolutely. So how many people invested in that first round? I think it was seven. Um, we raised £750,000 the first round. And so it was a friends and family round. And again, it was all customers and friends that believed in the brand, that believed in, in what we were doing. And luckily, you know, the next round we raised last year was £1.5 million. Um, we had a £9.5 million valuation, which was quite incredible after a year. Wow. And 
luckily almost all of our investors took up their rights and reinvested in the company well credit to you that's that's amazing and what did you do with that initial seven hundred fifty thousand that you raised um we needed a new website because our we sort of bought this twenty five thousand pound website that was fine but it didn't have the the sort of level of sophistication that we now expect from a website didn't have saved credit card details it didn't have multiple addresses it did it was like a baby website so we definitely needed to have a sophisticated website uh so we put a, a bunch of money into it new site we hired customer service um we which was important um we uh hired we bought in a second van hired a second driver because where we couldn't sort of manage all of our, the volume with one van and driver so that was where the first sort of chunk tell of money us went about, tell us about your drivers <laughs> have you seen our drivers have they well, been in this office they're I, very I, I cute i have seen your drivers <laughs> do you screen them yourself oh my gosh we cast for them are you kidding <laughs> am i allowed really? to say that <laughs> yes you are do you really yeah of course and okay. they've got to look great in the uniform um you know yes it's it's all part of the customer experience and james um has was our first employee so he's still with us um and all the girls love james i think he's got a sort of following people have asked for james to have his own instagram account i was gonna say you gotta ask for james then <laughs> and you didn't have a background in flowers has that mattered did that matter i actually think that's been an advantage to be honest um it's like coming at an industry having no preconceptions of how something should be done even now when i hire florists i'm like forget everything you've ever learned do not think of how you do a traditional table because everything we're doing is doing it not doing a traditional table we are not selling flowers in a traditional way we are not like i want you to unthink everything you've done and i think the fact that we've come at the floral industry from a business standpoint from a design standpoint from a branding standpoint and not from a floral standpoint means that we're able to actually really disrupt the industry and Mm. do new things and creative Mm. things and not just you know it's like there are online florists now but all they do is replicate the the sort of in-store offering and sell it online that's not what we're doing we also have a negative working capital business which means we don't own any stock so you buy flowers we buy them for you from holland and deliver them 48 hours later to your door so you know from investment standpoint that's extremely appealing mm-hmm. that we were an inventoryless company i mean now obviously we have vases and candles and things that we do hold stock in but as far but as flowers so- you know we don't sell any flowers and we're not buying any flowers so it's it's quite a lean model and and because we don't have a bricks and mortar stores um, you know, in beautiful little locations around London. We don't have a staff full of floors. Um, we do have half floors, but we don't have tons of them. Um, and When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Because we don't have any stock and we're not throwing things away, we're able to sort of offer this incredible value to our customers. Um, and there's a real value proposition to what is a luxury product. Mm. Um, we're going to come back to the price. You've touched on the branding. I mean, your branding is so powerful and clean and current and modern. How much of a process was that 
was that very clear in your mind when when you visualized what your business was absolutely like? i mean i loved the idea of beautiful flowers single stem bunches wrapped in brown paper um you know it's sort of an elevated craft paper but i love the simplicity of that i don't i didn't like the cellophane i didn't like the plastic i didn't like the fussiness that and tissue paper and all the things that you know sort of were inherent in floral gifting and i just thought the cleanliness of when you bought flowers at a market wrapped in brown paper was so appealing to me you know obviously it needed to be an elevated experience um so we have beautiful chocolate grow grain ribbon um that when we started i used to iron it and send it back because like, <laughs> it was so expensive so yeah I, I wanted to sort of strip back all of the elements that were inherent in traditional floristry and just flowers and that's it and like all good businesses you've evolved since you launched but on day one what was your business model flowers to your door flowers to your door um was always a business model it was always the business model hasn't really changed um but you bought subscription in haven't you subscription was always part of the model what we we launched naively with subscription thinking oh that's great you can have peonies for a year like not knowing that peonies aren't available after june so the people who had subscribed to peonies for a year we had to <laughs> yeah so uh, i i don't i think we were sort of naive thinking you could i mean things like roses you could buy roses every week for a year but there were certain flowers we yeah, have to like factor in seasonability yeah. obviously so there were glitches with the subscription model the way that we launched it but that was always part of the business i think what we didn't foresee is events i mean events was not something i ever wanted to do but it's been sort of the most powerful marketing tool and it's sort of like a paid market i mean mm -hmm. they're paying for yeah. it and they're doing marketing for us so it's yes, please fill fill a room of our target customers exactly. and, and, and pay us to come along can yeah. scott's restaurant please can we do the front of it for eight weeks you know during the chelsea flower show can you pay us to do that and then can everyone who walks by they give Instagram out cards saying it was flower box well it wasn't something first of all it's very time consuming and very stressful um but you know and while it wasn't something that we initially had as part of the business plan that's something that we have accepted needs to be part of the business plan as we launch in new territories and whether it's you know we launch in we're launching in france on monday but whether we go um and have a cart outside of the dior fashion show where there are certain events that are going to be you know flowers are such a visual experience that um we, we definitely need events as part of our marketing plan yeah, makes sense and the subscription model what percentage of your turnover today is subscription versus one-off. Right. So orders. we only launched it successfully in November. So it's not, it's quite new for us. Um, and right now it accounts for almost 10% of our business. But I think as Mother's Day approaches, for example, we launched it manually last Mother's Day because we didn't have the tech to be able to sort of do recurring pain, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but, and last Mother's Day, it was 20% of our business during the month of March. So I do think the potential for it to be more significant um, is there. But since we just launched it in November, we don't have real data on that. Well, I, if anyone's listening, I can't think of anything nicer to get for Mother's Day than a subscription to Flowerbox. There's about price and luxury and, and how they work in tandem because your prices are really reasonable and I think that's a big part of the, one of the many appeals of the brand how key was that um, when you started the business it, it was very important always and a part of the reason I started the business was I didn't want to go to the Chelsea flower stand to buy flowers because I would spend 400 quid I would have you know, a table full of flowers, some flowers in my living room, but that just seemed crazy. So I would go to the Covent Garden flower market. It is crazy. It doesn't seem crazy. It is. <laughs> yes. So I, you know, so keeping prices sort of competitive with the Covent Garden flower market was always important to me. And it still is every time we introduce something, you know, I don't, I don't, while it is a luxury product and having flowers in your life is a luxury it let's, let's all admit that that is a luxury. I wanted it to be an accessible luxury, and that has always been important to me. And I think a lot of people look on our site, which has been part of our re-education of people, and think, oh, I could never afford that. But I, when you look, when you go and actual, actually do price comparisons, 
M&S like online or Weight Rose online is not more expensive. I mean, you can send, spend 45 pounds at Flower Box or 45 pounds at my Weight Rose. Oh. Yeah, no brain already. Um, and you said it, not I. <laughs> and does price affect the quality? I mean, there's a tipping point with these things. Absolutely not. No, we will not sacrifice on quality. From uh, the auctions in Holland, we only buy grade A flowers of a certain stem length. So we will never, ever buy not grade A, not the highest quality of flowers you can buy. If they are cost prohibitive, we won't sell them. But we are not going to ever say, oh, we'll get cheaper roses because we can make better margins on them. No way. Having the best flowers that last the longest, that are the highest quality you can buy, is always going to be paramount to the success of flower bots. From where I'm sitting, it seems like everything has just come together so beautifully the brand the flowers the proposition but what's been the hardest thing since you launched the business oh my gosh there is a new challenge every month every year um last year the biggest challenge by far was re-launching um, our site on a new platform we launched on magento 2 which everyone said would future proof our um, website um, meanwhile no one uh, mentioned that no one understood magento 2 no one had ever worked in magento 2 so the people that were developing our website went bust we had to get the code from them. It took almost a year longer and cost more than double what it should have cost. So that was hugely challenging. What was also really frustrating is that so much of our growth was hinged on having a successful website. We couldn't launch nationally until we had a substantial website. We couldn't launch in France. We, we couldn't roll out the website until we had the website perfect. So that um, was frustrating to me, but we got through it. I mean, now we've launched nationally and there are you know a whole set of new problems You know, with perishability, with which flowers cannot go below three degrees, which, you know, so that's our, our biggest challenge to crack right now we have specially engineered boxes that luckily can withstand different you know temperatures we have you know partnered with the right shipping carriers um now but it's all it's all a huge learning curve i mean i think it's clear how you stand out from the competition but do you worry about the competition i really don't i don't think anyone's doing what we're doing um and again i feel like there are great online florists i don't feel like anyone's creating a, an identifiable flower brand agreed you left tom ford with an amazing contact list what advice would you give people who aren't in the position that you were in yeah they're looking to get through the doors of tiffany's and beers and those kind of clients that you've got honestly it's like pavement pounding and cold calling and i do that i mean it's like all i had all the people in the fashion world in my you know on my their number saved on my phone and i went to them first but now i mean yesterday i went to liquor companies i went to hotel groups i am going like not to people i know and not people i've necessarily ever met and i'm not even talking about like the dorchester group i'm talking about like sheraton marriott these are like um, you know, hotel groups that I can scale, you know, that, you know, can use our flowers and consume our flowers for all of their conference rooms, for all of their receptions across all of Europe as we scale across Europe. So it's, I, I just think the element of hard work and dedication. And, you know, I saw that movie Joy um, where Jennifer Lawrence has that mop and she is going to sell that mop. And I honestly, I get in my car every morning and I feel like I have that mop and I'm going to sell that mop and I believe in that mop and that mop is going to change your life. And I really passionately believe that. So I don't think having a great Rolodex is what, it's certainly helped um, get, you know, to where we are at Flowerbox faster, but I, I think it's also just hard work and, you know, sort of humility and pavement pounding. You're far too stylish to be selling mops, Whitney. But anyway, I love that film. I'm with you on that. You talked about selling to hotel groups. Is the B2B side a big focus for you? Huge. And do you think that's something businesses need to really look at? Honestly, I can confidently say that out of every 50 um, businesses I've gone to and sort of done my pitch and explained what we do, that 49 have come on board and 49 are saving money. 49 are getting fresher flowers. And um, so it's it's a value, it's, they are getting better value. And these businesses that have to consume flowers anyway, I mean, in fashion, flowers are currency and that's a language and that's how people speak to each other. Um, 
so they're going to consume flowers anyway. So why not consume flowers that are up to seven days fresher and at a fraction of the price? So it's a win-win, no-brainer situation for businesses that are consuming flowers. Um, I've always said Americans make the best salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you scale it? You scale it via the B2B um, side. Is that international? So as I said, we're launching France next week, but we have so many clients in the UK that are waiting for us to open, you know, from Dior to Jimmy Choo to, um, I mean, Tiffany. I, I can't even Bottega Veneta. I could go on and on and on. And all of them are international companies and all of them are looking for a consistency of offering. As a brand, that is what you're, you know, what, what you're looking for. So yes, I, um, a B2B is going to be huge for scaling across Europe. And further afield. So you get your flowers from Holland. How would it work if you go into the US, for example? Yeah, that's something that we're investigating right now. We have we're working on a business plan for America because it's a completely different business model. But um, you know, obviously the sources are different because flowers are com- come from Colombia, South America, Ecuador, um, and there is the distance issue, which means that there is some necessity to keep stock in order to um, you know fulfill orders in some sort of reasonable mm-hmm. time period. So it is a business model that we're developing right now, but it will be completely different. Well, I mean, what's beautiful about our our business model right now is that we can leverage the same suppliers, leverage the same exact formula um, across Europe and as far as the Middle East and Russia. And do you think the US holds the key to real success? That's funny. It's something that we're debating a lot about right now. Uh, I think you can be successful in Europe, but you'll always be like a successful European brand. I think if you're successful in America, then you can be a global brand. And what's your role today? As the business grows and evolves, your CEO. Yeah. What does that actually mean? What do you, well, you're knocking on the doors of the Sheraton. I'm knocking on doors. I am trimming flowers. I am doing whatever needs to be done because it's very much, you know, I think there's this appearance that we're a very sort of big and developed com- company, but it's a startup and it's very, we operate very much like a startup. Um, so if I need to go and change flowers at, at someone's house or need to go and buy tablecloths, as was evidenced during the shoot last week where there was a tablecloth emergency and I was running up and down the King's Road trying to find um, the right type tablecloth. Um, so I think uh, I do honestly whatever needs to be done but you know strategically i'm sort of getting the company ready for it to scale across europe quite quickly and what does the structure of your employees look like right now so you've got your investors you've got you as ceo yeah i have a, a wonderful coo um whose name is lorenzo he is again very hands-on very uh into the sort of operational side of the business um he's good at everything i'm not good at and vice versa so we're a good team and uh then we have great customer service team we've just hired customer service for france which is happening imminently um and we have a great art creative department that creates all the beautiful sort of content that you see how key do you think a really good board is to the success of a startup oh i think it's great as i mentioned earlier you know mark seba with his incredible experience as ceo of netaporte for so many years has been through fundraising he's been through you know strategic um partners he's been through you know all the bad things that can happen he's sort of been at a super high paced startup from the beginning you know we like when he comes and meets with us at our you know on our we're, we're on an industrial estate like with mice and no air conditioning you know no heating no air conditioning it's freezing um and he's like this reminds me of the net days when we started which is so exciting to yeah. me that you know we could ever become even you know half as just human. to be in the same sentence exactly, that's nice exactly yeah. um well, just the the idea that they started in the same way is yeah. very um, promising for yeah. me, let's say. So I think a great board is absolutely essential, but it's also having sort of key people that have can bring experience to the table, which is experience that I don't have. Your husband is 
SVP of menswear at Tom Ford. He is. We were in office romance at Gucci. <laughs> That's another ago. story. That's for another <laughs> podcast. How has he impacted the business? How does he support you? I'm always interested in, you know, what part um, an entrepreneur's other half plays um, in their business. Oh, he's crucial. Um, the, the first of all, the you know he's got the best eye of anyone I know. So you know the ability to bounce things off of him, get his feedback. Uh, has been pivotal for us at Flowerbox. He also, you know, the support that he gives me at home and the support that he gives me raising our kids means that I am, you know, empowered to go out and be my best self and sort of build this company. And you run this business on your own. Do you think you're only really able to do that because he's there by your side? Oh, 100%. I I think so many people, they run a business with a co-founder which I think is a great thing. But if you don't have that from where I'm sitting, I think you do really need that support of... of yeah, I also think having um, a great partner gives you confidence to sort of fail because I'm not going to fail in his eyes. So I, I feel like his belief in me really bolsters me um, mm-hmm. and enables me to sort of be fierce and go out and do this. So you mentioned him in relation to your children. It's, it's a question we always have to ask you know, a female entrepreneur that's a mother. Um, how do you do it? How do you manage it? Um, the same way you do, you know, it's a constant juggle. I think there's always a ball in the air. There's always something I think you feel like you're not doing as well as you could be. Um, I think the key is having a great partner um, and having support at home. It's also, I mean, having an amazing nanny, which I've had the same nanny for 10 years that I can count on, allows me to not worry about all the time about, you know, the kids when I I know they're safe. I know they're happy. Um, I also just have amazing kids that are really supportive you know my baby obviously doesn't know what i'm doing but my older kids who are nine and seven they're really proud that mom's going out and building this company we have this bus ad right now that's running on 200 buses across central london and you know the boys every time i come home at night they're like i saw three buses today and they realize (laughs) they've seen us you know on saturdays they used to come to the warehouse and help load up buckets and load up the van so they've seen you know this company grow before their eyes and they're really proud of it so i think having understanding amazing kids is is helpful too and do you think that drives you more, less? Um, I want to be someone they're proud of. I also, you know, I don't want them to think that moms stay at home. And not that there's anything wrong. Of course, we all know with a mom who stays at home. But I want them to be open-minded to, you know, because I don't even care if they marry a girl. I mean, they marry a boy. They can marry whoever they want. But I, I, I don't want them um, to think that a woman's job is to stay at home and um, raise kids unless it is her choice. If there are women listening that are inspired by your story, what advice would you give to women who might want to change their careers and start their own business? Do it. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, I had a conversation with a girlfriend a couple of weeks ago um, who's moved to LA and she's like, can you believe the amount of time we spent wondering if this was the right move? Like that we like were tortured ourselves that we spent how many like bottles of wine, how many conversations we have being like, oh my God, am I ruining my career by leaving? You know, and like... uh, no there's not even a question in my mind that it was the right thing to do so I feel like um just go through the fear do it um if you've got a great idea and you have you know you're able to do it I would just say go for it and what is the long-term plan you talked about Tom Ford and his uh, advice that that one should always have a 10-year plan what's the 10-year plan for Flowerbox do you plan to sell it do you plan to raise more money um, gosh, it's, you know, on a good day, I'm really, you know, I think I haven't even gotten started. I have so much to do. I mean, I have not even touched the tip of the iceberg to where I can go with Flowerbox. 
um, you know, on a frustrating day, I say, oh, if someone offered me 100 million pounds, would I say yes? I say, of course I would. So I think um, the 10 year plan is definitely to build flower bots into a global uh, flower brand. That is 100 percent the goal. And then, you know, hopefully someone wants to buy it for a lot of money. I'm sure they're going to be lining up to buy it. It's a really exciting business to watch. And God, huge congratulations on yeah on launching something so desirable and so sexy and yeah and taking a product like flowers and and doing all that. It's it's amazing and we're huge fans of the brand here at Shedux. Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of Sheer Lux and I really I mean honestly without friends like you and support you know from people like you it wouldn't be um, anything. So I really 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 appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. I've loved having you. I've loved chatting, Whitney, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have any feedback, then do email podcast at sherlocks.com. And do please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. See you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.